Okay, hi everybody. I'm Holler, founder of Justin Canoe. This hat on my head is because something good happened. And that's not every day we can say that here in Tennessee. Uh, we're at tnholler.com, at the tnholler. We survive on your monthly donations. We just expanded to Memphis Holler and Knoxville Holler on Friday. Follow them at Memphis Holler, at Knoxville Holler. Appreciate all the support. Please keep it coming. Today, I'm joined by Chris Wood of Robbins, Geller, Rudman, and Dowd. That's one of the law firms that was involved with the lawsuit that just got Governor Lee's vouchers, public school harming vouchers declared unconstitutional. That's why I'm wearing the hat and I'm jiggling this in celebration, but I'll take the hat off now. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So just so everybody knows, we can see your replies and your comments as you follow along. If you have any questions you'd like me to ask Chris, please let me know. Uh, but I have a few for him now. Chris, please tell us, first of all, what was this lawsuit who was suing who and why? Sure. So there were there were two lawsuits that were filed. Um, the first one was filed by Nashville and Shelby County, um, seeking to have the voucher law found unconstitutional. And shortly thereafter, my firm, along with the ACLU, the Southern Poverty Law Center, and the Education Law Center, filed another suit on behalf of parents and taxpayers in Nashville and Memphis also claiming that uh, the voucher law was unconstitutional uh, and violated several provisions of um, the Tennessee state constitution. So both of those cases had similar claims. They were both proceeding in chancery court uh, in Nashville, uh, both seeking to, uh, to strike down the voucher law. Okay, and what was the basis for striking it down? What is the main reason that was proposed as to why this should, I mean, I can think of a million reasons, but what was the reason? So um, if we focus specifically on, on what Chancellor Martin did yesterday and, and how we got there, um, the Nashville and Memphis filed a, a motion for summary judgment. Um, and a motion for summary judgment basically says, the facts are, or the relevant facts are not contested here, and we just need the court to make, to issue a finding purely of law. Um, and that motion for summary judgment said that the voucher law violated the Tennessee Constitution's home rule provision. Um, and basically in 1953, the Tennessee Constitution was amended to try to have local affairs be more governed by local legislators and local officials. And so the, the home rule amendment was uh, enacted, which basically said that the state legislator can't legislate for specific parts of the state. So they can't say this rule is going to apply in Nashville, but not in Murfreesboro, or this rule is going to apply, um, you know, in East Tennessee, in some, some county in East Tennessee and not West Tennessee. They have to legislate statewide. And the argument was um, that the, uh, the voucher law, uh, by its terms, only applied to Nashville and Shelby County, and it could only ever apply to Nashville and Shelby County. And if you look at the legislative history and how the law got passed, um, you know, it, it ended up only applying to Nashville and Shelby County specifically because legislators in other parts of the state were unwilling to vote for the law if it applied to their counties. Um, and so 
their uh, Metro and Shelby County's argument on summary judgment was, you know, as a matter of law, um, the voucher law is unconstitutional because the state can't target these two counties um, in the way that it did. Shortly after um, Metro and Shelby County filed their motion for summary judgment, we filed a motion for a temporary injunction um, and uh, told the court that specifically as to the home rule claim, uh, as well as um, with respect to an appropriations claim, which I can uh, also talk about for a minute, that the court should temporarily enjoin the law now and not um, have you know the case go on for months where the law might get implemented, you know kids might you know take a voucher, go to a school only to have the law found unconstitutional a few months later, which would create chaos for everyone. And so we said you know the court really needs to rule on this now, um, you know, and prevent that kind of harm that could occur um, if the law is found unconstitutional later. Um, the judge ended up uh, moving up the hearing, which we had last week, and held a hearing on Metro's motion for summary judgment, on our motion for a temporary restraining order, and also held a hearing uh, on, uh, I think, six different motions to dismiss that were filed by the state and uh, a number of the groups that intervened uh, to support the state's position. And so we had an eight-hour hearing on Wednesday when all of these things were discussed. And um, what Chancellor Martin ultimately found is that the law did indeed violate um, the home rule provision um, and granted summary judgment um, for uh, Metro and Shelby on that basis. Um, because she granted summary judgment and enjoined the state from implementing the law, she uh, uh, deferred ruling on the motions to dismiss and found that we didn't need a temporary injunction at that time because she was issuing a permanent injunction to enjoin uh, implementation of the law. So that's what happened uh, yesterday, yesterday evening. Well, it's a beautiful thing. Thank you for your work. Um, I just want people to know that we can see what they're saying, especially Lauren Sorensen, who I know is somebody who's been fighting really hard uh, against this legislation. She says, thank you for helping those of us who have been fighting tooth and nail to end vouchers for years. Last spring was awful. Thanks for restoring our hope. I know a lot of people are feeling that way today, Chris. I don't know if you feel that from them, but you should take a look online. People are very excited about this. You know, I could go through a whole history of how this happened and all the different ways that this was ugly. You know, the, the vote was tied. The board was held open until Jason Zachary flipped mysteriously. Uh, you know, there were promises of military promotions to people like John Mark Wendell. Republican Kent Calfee said that bribes and threats are what it took to get this passed. Republican House caucus leader Jeremy Faison has said he regrets his vote. So there's a whole litany of things that have happened. And then the rollout itself, where no bid contracts were given out to a company called Class Wallet with more money than was allocated to the bill in the first place. So there's everything about this bill has, has, hasn't passed the smell test. There were rumors of an FBI investigation. But at the end of the day, what this comes down to is what you said, the home rule targeting Memphis and Nashville, two counties and school systems that did not want this. And it was imposed upon them by Republican legislators in rural counties who made sure to get their counties held harmless and taken out of the bill. So the home rule, just, just drill down on that for a second. Home rule, I'm old enough to remember when Republicans used to claim 
that they cared a lot about local control and keeping federal government out of the state government and state government out of the city government. So home rule basically is a distillation of that, right? It's, it says that localities, unless there's something being passed statewide, should get to control what happens in their own districts, right? So there's a, um, there's sort of a state's rights feel to the law, city's rights, I guess we would call it, county's rights. Is that what the home rule is? Sure, and that was, um, that was originally why the amendment was passed after a constitutional convention in 1953 to ensure that, um, that cities and municipalities could have more control over local affairs. Um, you know, the law does allow the legislator to pass uh, rules that have, you know, local impact or only, you know, impact one or two counties. But if they do that, they have to include a provision that provides for approval by that local uh, by that local county, either by you know a vote from um, a city council or a vote of you know a, a, a vote from voters um, to approve uh, a law like that. Now that obviously didn't happen here um, because I think if Nashville had been asked to vote on whether it you know wanted to approve the voucher law, it would have said no. And so um, by approving a law that didn't provide an opportunity for uh, those counties to ratify it, um, it, it violated, violated the Constitution. Um, you know, and there, there were lots of arguments that um, the state uh, and their allies tried to make, uh, you know, against this line of reasoning. They said that uh, in order for the Home Rule Amendment to apply, it has to target only one county. And because this targeted two counties, the Home Rule Amendment didn't apply. And uh, I think the judge saw through that. Um, you know, they also said that uh, because education is a state function, it doesn't really affect the counties, um, which I thought uh, uh, Metro and Shelby lawyers who were arguing this did a great job of explaining to the judge, you know, just how important education is and, and how much of a local function education is. It certainly isn't solely a state function. Um, and so I think at the end of the, the, end of the day, the chancellor, um, you know, applying uh, well-established authority, you know, saw the law for what it was and cited, you know, some of the legislative history, you know, that showed that the only way that the law could, you know, was able to get passed uh, is if there were promises that it wouldn't impact uh, the districts of the folks that were voting for it, which I think really says all you, you know, all you need to know about the law, that um, the only folks that voted for it were, you know, people where it wouldn't affect their counties and the people whose counties it was going to affect didn't want to vote for it. And that's, you know, that's not the way that legislation should work. It's really amazing. One of the legislators that I had an opportunity to talk to was Representative John Crawford. And there's a video that we have on Twitter and Facebook. But I said to him, how would you feel if these were being imposed on your district against your will and he stopped for about 10 seconds and he said i probably wouldn't like that so they are well aware that they're doing unto others as they would not want to have done to them and at the end of the day that's a big part of the hypocrisy that, that a lot of people are pushing back against and fighting against we see all your comments right now they're really great i really appreciate you guys watching i see jerry green saying it was always obviously unconstitutional she's running for the house over in memphis I see Catherine Vaughn saying this bill was passed so dirty. People are thanking Gloria Johnson who stood up against it. So Chris, tell us what happens next here. What does this mean? Uh, uh, Brad Fiscus, who's running as an independent in 
uh, Williamson County ask, what will Governor Lee do next? What, what recourse do they have? And how likely is it that this holds up? So I, I think, uh, you know, I've been reading some of the, the press reports as well. Uh, apparently, um, the governor has already said that they intend to appeal um, to the Court of Appeals. Um, Chancellor Martin did certify it under uh, the uh, Rule 9 of the Tennessee Appellate Procedure to allow for an immediate appeal. So um, the, I, I, I believe the next step will be that the Court of Appeals um, will have a look at the law and make, and, and make its own determination as to the constitutionality of the law, and then potentially um, the Tennessee Supreme Court as well. So, um, you know, while Chancellor Martin found it unconstitutional, we have to wait and see what the Court of Appeals and Tennessee Supreme Court may say about it. Um, as I said earlier, you know, certainly one of our goals was to ensure that there wasn't any immediate harm or chaos caused by having the law roll out this fall when it wasn't clear whether or not, you know, the courts were going to uphold it. For now, um, the state, you know, is enjoined from implementing the law. It may be that they try to get the Court of Appeals to, to stay that order to allow them to continue their rollout, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. Um, but we still have a ways to go in terms of um, legal procedure before we get to um, an ultimate um, decision from the, the higher courts. Do you have any sense of how the rollout is going? Have people signed up for this thing? Is it being embraced? I can't really tell. I know that they're advertising and they have all these, you know, loftily named organizations behind it, but I just don't know if people are signing up for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, you know, certainly they were making lots of efforts to, as you say, to advertise the law, to promote it. I, I don't really know what, what that looks like uh, on, on the ground right now. And let me just say, you know, this argument is not about not wanting to help kids that are in public schools have better education, which is how it's framed by the people who are for vouchers. It's about not wanting to do it at the expense of the kids that will be left behind. The real way to fix these problems is to invest properly in our public education system. We have an F in education funding right now. Uh, Senators Yarbrough and I think Raumesh had an op-ed about how $1.5 billion a year would just get us out of the bottom 10 in funding. So this is about not leaving kids behind. This is about not steering public money towards private schools and investing properly in our teachers and our education systems. This is not a solution. This is a Band-Aid and a way for, frankly, for Governor Lee and Betsy DeVos to steer money to private schools and their friends that own them. And that's not Chris saying that, that's me saying that, so for the record. Uh, and if you have well, anything you want to add to that, go ahead. Well, you know, I, I, I did think it was um, ironic, if that's the right word, that, you know, a lot of the arguments that were being made by some of the interest groups that were supporting the voucher law uh, was that, you know, we, we need these kids are suffering in these in these schools in Nashville and Shelby County. And this is a lifeline for them to get out of these failing schools and, you know, into a private school. And, you know, this is, you know, me talking, but I mean, that, that, that seems like entirely, you know, the, the, the wrong approach to me. I mean, there, there are, for sure, there are kids in under-resourced schools in Nashville and Shelby County that need more resources. But the solution to that is not to, you know, take 5,000 kids and give them, you know, money uh, for a private school, which may or may not be better than the public school they're in. You know, the solution is to properly invest in our public schools. 
And when you go into some of these schools and you, you, you see some kids who are living with poverty and living with lots of struggles at home, and you see the incredible work that teachers in public schools are doing to ensure that these kids you know, are fed and are learning and are you know, taking money out of their own pockets um, to buy resources to support these children. And the notion that you know, we would enact a voucher law which would take money away from these schools and, and, and further handicap their ability to take care of these kids, it, it, it just, it, it's unconstitutional and, and I think unconscionable. Um, you know, if the state wants to help these kids, we should be investing in public schools um, and making sure that they have the resources that they need to succeed, not taking money away from them and giving a few kids money for private schools. It's just, to me, it's, it seems clearly like the wrong approach. Absolutely. I see Brad Fiscus and Sybil Reagan saying that there's less than 300 applications on track out of the 5,000 that were approved. So it doesn't seem like people are really wanting this and uh, there, there have to be better solutions here. And as you said, we need to properly fund our public school systems. This is a bigger conversation though about the privatization of everything in general, about Republicans in general wanting to strangle government in the bathtub as, they, as, as Grover Northquist put it and you know, making it smaller, giving people what they call choice. But at the end of the day, choice sounds good, but we have to have a baseline where we're taking care of each other, where people have access to things and properly funding public education is something that Tennessee needs to do and everything else will flow out of that. So that should be a priority and people really need to make that a priority and the things that they care about. So governor, so it's going to go to the Tennessee Supreme court. And as of right now though, is the law stopped in its tracks? I mean, what happens to the $41 million that was in his budget? You know, I know that's not something for you to decide, but as of right this second, vouchers are not a thing. So as of right this second, um, the state has been enjoined from implementing the law. Um, so as of right this second, um, the law is not a thing. Um, you know, a, a lot of the money that was approved um, was supposed to potentially be, you know, given out um, to uh, some of these school districts as a way to partly, you know, make up for the losses that they would suffer when these students left. We'll have to see kind of what happens there. Um, I, and you know, if a legislator does something different in June um, with respect to those funds. But as of today, um, the, the voucher law is, is not to be implemented by the state. That's an amazing thing. Well, I thank you for your work. I just want to read a couple more comments before I let you go. I see my friend Tom Grimm saying, I think it's interesting in justice you use local rule that conservatives often reference, which is a pretty great thing. You know, this is the thing that they are always talking about, local rule, home rule, and that is the rule that was used to overturn this. Now we have a lot of, of legislators. There's actually Republicans who have said that they would like to see this law overturned. So maybe that's what comes next. I know that's not your specialty. Maybe we'll talk to some legislators about that. Uh, and now, and Lauren Sorensen adds that now more than ever, counselors for our kids need to be funded. Public education should be an equitable choice, says Sybil Watkins. And Brenda just said, thank you for this discussion. So thank you for coming on here. If there's anything else you want to add, any questions that I, I didn't bring up, did we just about cover the details here? I think so. Uh, the only other thing I'd say is that, you know, even if, um, even if the Court of Appeals um, were to uh, 
overrule or tinker with the chancellor's order. You know, there are still many different ways in which we allege that the law was unconstitutional, which then would get um, decided uh, back in the chancery court, including, um, you know, that the law treats Nashville and Shelby County differently from the other counties in terms of taking money away from those districts that wouldn't get uh, taken away um, from other districts. You know, the Tennessee Supreme Court has said um, that there is a constitutional right in Tennessee to an adequate and substantially equal education. And there are lots of other uh, bases for striking down the law based on equal protection arguments in the Tennessee Education Clause that are entirely separate from home rule. Um, so uh, the, it may be that there's uh, a, a lot more to this uh, fight, uh, even if uh, the Court of Appeals sees things uh, differently from the Chancery Court, but we'll just have to wait and see. Well, in the meantime, don't forget to vote for people who support public education. I see Jerry Green saying that, and she's one of them. I hope people will make that a priority. Governor Lee has been getting sued a lot lately uh, and losing a lot lately. So at some point, you'd think he'd maybe stop and think about the things that he's doing and, and wondering why everything is drawing this reaction. But in this state where it's a Republican supermajority, where Democrats don't have a lot of power, we need to be able to depend on the judicial branch, on, on the courts and the judges and lawyers like yourself to hold the line. And it's refreshing to see that that's actually happening. I want people to know that at 2 p.m. we're going to be talking to the Equity Alliance and from, someone from the Lawyers Committee about another lawsuit where Governor Lee is being sued for, or actually this is Secretary Trey Hargett, is being sued for not having uh, protections around our election system to allow us to vote without risking our lives. So join us at 2 p.m. with Charlene Oliver of the Equity Alliance and Pooja from the Lawyers Committee. We're gonna be talking about that. Chris, thank you very much. Where, can people follow you or follow your law firm or are you guys just under the radar and you stay would, away from that stuff? Well, I would, so I would encourage people to follow uh, Public Funds, Public Schools, um, which is an uh, institute uh, or institution uh, made up of the Education Law Center and the Southern Poverty Law Center. Those folks are really at the front lines uh, uh, of this issue nationally and a great organization, as well as the ACLU of Tennessee, um, all of our co-counsel that worked, you know, really, really hard um, on this case. And so I would follow those folks for more updates as this goes forward. Okay, great. And follow the Tennessee Holler at the TN Holler, at Memphis Holler, and at Knoxville Holler. Those are our three feeds. We appreciate everybody joining us and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Chris, thank you for what you're doing. Thanks for your time. Tennessee. Tennessee.